Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad to have you here this afternoon. I'd welcome all those watching online. This is the day the Lord has made. We're here to rejoice and be glad in this. Today we're continuing our series called Testing Positive. It's our goal to help you see the positive in the midst of all the negative. Reminds me of a, a story of a, a middle-aged man that, that went to the gym for the first time ever and ended up in a CrossFit class. I mean, they worked him over, and he came home worn out, and he's standing in his bedroom looking at this long mirror, and he's looking at this mirror and says, man, I look old. I am gray. I'm turning gray on my top. My face is all wrinkled. I've got this uh, spare tire around the midsection. I have all these aches and pains. And he looked over at his wife. He says, can you tell me something positive? Something to make me feel better. And she thought about that for a moment. And then she said very softly, she said, there's nothing wrong with your eyesight. <laughs> what you see is the truth there. <laughs> well, today we're, we're facing an epidemic. Now, if you look around us, it's everywhere. It's in our families. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our schools. It's in our grocery stores. It's on social media. It's everywhere. But it's not the epidemic of the coronavirus or not even social injustice. It's an epidemic of negativity. And you say, well, how does that spread? It spreads through our words. Words are like seeds. When you speak something out, you give life to whatever you say. And if you continue to speak those words out, then it's going to become your reality. And that's why we're in this, this uh, series called Testing Positive, so we can stop the contagiousness of negativity. Because whether you realize it or not, you are forecasting your future with the words that you're saying, that your life will move in the direction of your words. So the overarching big idea of this series is this, that it, you cannot talk negative and expect to live a positive life. You cannot talk negative and expect to live a positive life. You cannot talk defeat and expect to live in victory. You cannot talk lack and expect to have abundance. In Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We have this ability within each one of us, we have this ability to speak life, to speak encouragement, to speak hope, or we can speak death. We can speak negativity. We can speak hurt. Words matter. 
And when you say something out, you'll, and when you speak something, you'll give life to what you're saying, whether it's positive or whether it's negative. Now, here's what we all know is that we all have negative thoughts that come through. I mean, we live in the real world, don't we? So every day there's some kind of negative thought that comes through. All you have to do is turn on the news. Turn on social media, uh, uh, social media and you'll see those negative thoughts just come through. But you may think it, but what I am saying to you is don't say it. All of us think it, but just don't say it. I remember when I was growing up, my mother said, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. So I want to say this to you. If you don't have anything good to say about your health, or your job, or your finances, or your children. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Be positive or be quiet. Be positive or be quiet. Proverbs chapter 6 says, we are snared by the words of our mouth. The word snared means trapped. So oftentimes, we're trapped by our words they can cause you to, to stumble. Your words can keep you, I believe, from living your best life, from living your potential. And oftentimes those words come from this negativity that we have in our, in our minds. And when we start to speak out that negative, it becomes our reality. We start to think and we say out things, well, I'll never get past this problem or, or I'll never get back in shape. If you say those words, I'll never get back in shape, guess what? You won't. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Some of you say, oh, I'll never have any good breaks. I don't have uh, enough education. I'm not talented. I, I don't have a good personality. When you start to speak those things over your life, you are setting limits around your life. You're setting limits around your uh, potential. And this is what almost happened to a man in the Bible. His name is Jeremiah. And God gave him this call that he was going to be a great prophet and that he was going to speak to the nations. But when he heard this, he was young and he was very unsure of himself. So listen to his response, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 6 and 8. God called him, and Jeremiah said, oh, wait a minute, I can't, I can't do that. I don't know how to speak, I am too young. Verse seven says this, the Lord replied to him and said, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone that I send you and to say whatever I command you, and do not be afraid of them, for I will be with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. I think the first thing God did in Jeremiah's life was to stop these negative thoughts and these negative words. Why did God do that? I think God knew that if Jeremiah went around saying, oh, I'm not qualified, I can't do this, uh, I don't have what it takes, if he would speak those words, those sentences, that those sentences would eventually become his reality and he would never fulfill the purpose that God had for him, the purpose that God had called him to. I believe that you have a divine purpose. I believe that God has given you gifts and talents so that you can fulfill his plan. 
God has called every one of us to do something. Something great. There's something great inside of you. But so many times we talk ourselves out of that. We said, oh, I can't do that. I am too young. Or maybe I'm too old. Or I don't have enough education. I don't have enough experience. And we use those words to talk us out of living out the purpose that God has called us to. We can all make excuses for not doing what we've been called to do. But God is saying to us just what he said to Jeremiah. Stop saying that. Don't curse your future. I wonder how many times that maybe you or I, we've been just a couple of weeks away from a major breakthrough. Maybe we are just a couple of days away from the favor of God being released for something, the very thing that we prayed for, we've longed for, we've looked forward to. We're just a few days away, and all of a sudden, our, our words turn like, oh, this is never going to happen. I'm, I'm always going to be like this. I'll never have the right job. I'll never be married. I'll never do this. And, and our words stop the flow of God's blessing in our lives. Look, there are too many people listening to me today that you have invested too much time beating yourself up. Quit beating yourself up. You're not supposed to be, go around feeling this wrong on the inside. God didn't create you to, to go around feeling this wrong, this bad, this negativity. He didn't create you for this life. I believe that God has created you for the abundant life. Look, I'm a realist and I, I understand we have all made blunders. We have all made mistakes. We have all done things. I've done things that I wish I could go back and turn it around. But I can't. The past is the past. I want you to hear that. Your past is your past. It's over. That's over. And oftentimes, our past comes with negative voices. And we just got to declare that those negative voices, we're not going to allow them to, uh, to direct our footsteps and to direct our future. But we instead are going to listen to the voice of truth. What's the voice of truth say? The voice of truth says that what God started in you, that he will complete it. The voice of truth says that your past is over and God has a new future for you. The voice of truth says that you are the head and not the tail, that you are above and not beneath. The voice of truth says that there is no weapon formed against you will prosper and all those that rise up against you will fall. The voice of truth says that we are more than conquerors in Jesus' name. The voice of truth says I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. That's the voice of truth. And we need to allow the voice of truth to direct our, our, uh, our pathway and our footsteps. But so many times, we listen to those negative inner voices, and some of those are coming from us. But some of us struggle from negative words that other people have spoken over us. 
Other people have said that. And, and it may not be what they've said this past week. It could have been from years ago, maybe 20 years ago. A parent says to you, oh, you'll never be successful. You'll never make it here. Or maybe a coach says to you, oh, you're too small. You don't need to be playing this sport. You'll never make it. Or maybe a coworker says, you know what? You'll never get free of this addiction. It's just who you are. It's just your deal. And we've allowed those negative voices maybe from 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago. We've allowed those negative voices to stay in us. You see, words are like seeds. And if you dwell, if you dwell on them long enough, they will become a root. The Bible talks about the bitter root that springs up and defiles many people. It will become like a bitter root inside of you. And to become your reality. In life, there are always voices out there and they're telling you what you can and cannot become. That you, maybe you don't have what it takes. That your dreams are not going to come to pass. And we allow those negative voices to develop inside of us what scripture would call a stronghold. And Satan uses strongholds Uh, to keep us from God's best. Now, what is a stronghold? A spiritual stronghold in my life is a lie that I believe. A spiritual stronghold in my life is a lie that I believe. And if you're gonna learn to be mentally healthy, you've gotta learn how to demolish strongholds in your life. You see, behind every sin is some lie that you are believing. Think about that. Very practically, behind every sin, there's some lie that you are believing. And Satan is a liar, and Satan is the father of lies, and it is his goal to enslave you. So this stronghold needs to be destroyed. Listen to the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, the weapons that we fight with, they have divine power to what? Demolish strongholds. The weapons we fight with have divine power. The Spirit of God living in us has divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. It's getting to the words now. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And notice this, and we take captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. God has given us power to defeat the negative voices of the enemy. God has given us power to destroy, to demolish the strongholds. Now, how do we do that? Notice it says, we take captive. The word in the Greek there actually means to conquer. It means to bring under control. It means to capture, to to take those thoughts captive. Notice the phrase it says, and we make it obedient. We take every thought captive and we make it obedient. 
That phrase literally means that we bring it under submission. I think the reason that so many people live an ineffective life is that they never learned how to do battle in the mind. They never learned how to wage the war against their thought life. It says we need to bring every thought into captivity. All positive change in your life begins in the mind. Everything good, I believe, begins uh, in the mind. Here's the point. If you want to change your life, you need to change the way you think. If you want to change your life, you've got to start thinking new thoughts. You've got to change the way you think. Well, you, how do we do that? How do we change the way we think? We change the way we think by taking in new information. We change the way we think by, by taking in new information. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Now notice that. It says be transformed. Being transformed means to be changed, to become different. How are we changed? We are changed by God's word. The words of the Bible give us spiritual life. They have spiritual energy in the words. It's more than a self-help book. But, but the Bible releases God's spirit. It releases spiritual energy that changes you from the inside out. Change begins when we embrace the truth of God's word. I think too many people never live up to their potential because they have believed the set of lies. And, they, and the chief one is this, they believe they can never change. It is what it is. It will never change. It will always be like this. Some of you do not have a good marriage because you've believed that lie that you can never change. You feel like you'll never be happy. Others of you feel like that you'll never make a difference, that you're not smart enough or you're not good enough or you're not talented enough. And the list goes on and on. And all of these voices speak over and over and over to you. It's a lie. Behind every sin is some lie that you are believing, it's a stronghold. And Jesus came to break the strongholds of the devil. The word says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And those negative voices that you are hearing uh, in your spirit and your soul are not the voice of truth. They're not God's word speaking, God's voice speaking to you. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know that the work of renewing my mind is God's work? And ultimately, only God can do that. But God wants me to work with him. 
God wants me to cooperate with him by disciplining myself so that the transformation will actually take place, that I start working with him and not against him. Consider 1 Corinthians 9. It says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do this so that they can win a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Too often, we spend an enormous amount of time trying to be transformed, trying to be good, trying to be better. When the Bible calls us to train, to train, not to tr- necessarily to try. And there's a, an enormous difference between trying to do something and training to do something. Now, let's take an example for a marathon, okay? How many of us could go out to leave this uh, service today and tomorrow morning run a marathon? I think some of you can. But I can't. I mean, honestly, I could run maybe a quarter of a, num- a mile, maybe about a half a mile. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm starting to do a little walk, power walk. I can make it maybe a half a mile. I'm, I'm good for that. But I couldn't run a marathon. Now, I would like to believe that if I trained to do it, that I could do that. It would take a whole lot of training, and it would take the patience of a great trainer to do that, for me to do that. And eventually, most of us, if we trained for it, we could eventually at least walk a marathon. What's training here? Training means arranging your life around the activities that will enable you to do what you just simply cannot do. If you're going to change your life, you have to change the way you think. You have to train your mind to think positive thoughts. You have to train your mind to think good thoughts. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, "Have nothing to do with godless myths or wives' tales." Rather, notice these words, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Training means arranging your life around the activities that enable you to do what you cannot do. How about training your mind to think godly thoughts, to think good things? Now, I believe that every one of us can learn how to control our thoughts And that we can develop a positive mindset by doing three things. Here's the first thing. If you want to test positive, you must feed your mind with truth. You must feed your mind with truth. We all know the importance of nutrition. And we know the importance of good food and good calories. That if we're going to eat the right food, that we're going to be stronger, we're going to be healthier. And in the same way, if we fall off the wagon and we eat the wrong food and, and we load up on the bad calories, what happens? We become sluggish. We become tired. So we've got to 
feed the right things. So what I'm saying is we've got to feed our mind the right food. I've got to feed my mind good things because there's a lot of negative things in this world. I'm telling you, just go watch the news tonight. And you're feeding your mind with so much negative. How about this? Turn on television. Turn on Netflix. I'm telling you, when I'm watching normal television or or watching Netflix, I am seeing and hearing things as normal conversation that 10 or 20 years ago, we would blush over that. We would never talk like that. We would never use those words. In fact, if something like that came out, we'd say, oh, pardon, pardon my language or, or pardon my French, we would say back in the day. Because we would never allow those words to come out of our But yet today, it is like normal. It is like normal to take the Lord's name in vain uh, on mass media or social media or to use words that are detrimental. And so you're saying, Marty, what do we do about that? Do I cut the cable? Do I get off the internet? Do I move to a monastery? No, God has created you at this particular time to live in this generation. We are living in this world, but we are not to live of this world. We're to be different. But as a result of living in this world, we are bombarded with negative images and negative words that come and that, that, uh, that are lodged deep in the memory banks. And they're working and they're warring against us in our thoughts. How do we combat that? What do we do about that? We need to wash our minds with God's word. I'm telling you, when I was a kid, uh, if I ever had words to slip and I was at my grandmother's house, we called her Granny Baker, she would take a, a bar of ivory soap and she would wash your mouth out with soap. Because she wanted to do whatever to get the junk out and there must be some dirt in there and she would wash your mouth out with soap. You learn very quickly, don't, do, don't say that, don't do that. I think a lot of TV needs to have my granny baker come over and wash their mouth out with soap. It is shocking. So what do we do? We've got to feed our mind with truth. And when we feed our mind with truth, God's word becomes like a washing agent that washes it out. That's why it's so important to be in this gathering today. Because we are here receiving God's word and it's washing our minds. It's washing our souls. We're lifting up our hands in worship and we're singing, God is so good. God is so good. He is so good to me. We're reminding ourselves that yes, we live in a negative world, but we serve a good God, a God that wants to take care of you, a good God that's going to protect you, a good God that's going to see you through this. 
God is good. And so his word is washing the junk out of us. That's why we say over and over, it's time to get the junk out of our lives and let us be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get the junk out. And when we get God's word in us, we find freedom. This is the message of John chapter eight when he said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth of God's word will set you free. The truth is God's word and the best information that you'll ever find is in the Bible. And what your discovery is, is that when you have the best uh, information, you'll make the best decisions. The best information that you can have is in God's word and it will help you make good decisions in this life. Jesus said it this way, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That God's word becomes like bread and it nourishes our soul. I said there's three things that we need to do if we're gonna control our thought life and that we're gonna embrace a positive attitude. Here's the second one, you must free your mind from destructive thoughts. You must free your mind from destructive thoughts. Your mind needs to be liberated. Your mind needs to be set free. I meet so many people that have become imprisoned by their own thoughts. It is like they're immobilized. It is like that they can't do anything because their thoughts are, are destroying them. They're destroying them. And the number one um, destructive agent the enemy uses is fear. And folks, let, let me just talk a minute about the coronavirus. I believe the coronavirus is real. And I think you need to do everything possible to social distance. I think you need to wear a mask when appropriate. I, need, I think you need to be very practical in all of this. But I am telling you that the coronavirus is not the biggest problem we're facing in America, but it's fear. The fear that has been released on our country and on us individually is so much worse than the virus. The fear has released craziness across this nation. It's the fear that is immobilizing us. It's the fear that's causing people to bring division. And some of you are, are fearful that Trump's gonna win. And some of you are fearful that, that, um, that Biden's going to win. And some of you are fearful that uh, this disease is going to uh, hit you. And some of you are fearful that you can't survive this financial fear on every platform. And my concern is that the enemy is using fear to immobilize you. Now, I want you to hear me. I want you to be wise. 
I want you uh, to be smart. I want you to be careful. But I do not want you to live your life in fear because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but God has given you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And you have to have that confidence in that. We cannot allow fear to hold us back. We have to trust that God is going to see us through. We have to trust that God is bigger than that. We don't, none of us know what tomorrow holds, but we know with certainty who holds tomorrow in the palm of his hand. And we have to put our trust that God, the one that has brought us safe to this point, has the power to lead us here to where he wants us to go. We have to put our confidence in him. So whose report are you going to believe? The negative report of the enemy or the report that comes from the Lord that he is your protector and he is your sustainer and he is your deliverer and he is your healer and he is your soon coming king. I choose to trust him. And I choose to live every day to the fullest. And if tomorrow I am transitioned from this life to the next, I know that I am standing, I will be standing in his presence. You've got to free your mind from destructive thoughts. The enemy wants to destroy you. Satan comes, John 10 and 10, comes to steal, comes to kill and destroy. That's the three things he does. But he said, uh, Jesus comes to give you life and so that you can have it more abundantly. You must feed, free your mind from those destructive thoughts. We're going to pull down those strongholds. We're going to do this not in our own power because we're not praying and we're not standing in our own power. We're standing in a power that's greater than ourselves. We're standing in the power of the Lord. And so we're going to pull down those destructive thoughts. So the point is, what are you feeding your mind? I want you to feed those mind, uh, those, uh, those words that's going to give you strength and give you power to prevail. I said there's three things. Here's the third thing. You must focus your mind on the right things. You've heard the old cliche that you become what you think about most. Here's what I want you to think of. I want you to think about three things. If you're gonna become what you think about most, first thing, I want you to think about Jesus. Because if you'll think about Jesus, you'll become like him. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The King James Version uh, says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let, this, let his mind. God, give me your thoughts. Let your thoughts be in me. Let your thoughts work through me. That's why I pray often, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. God, let nobody but Jesus run my life. Let nobody but Jesus. I declare the kingdom of God. I declare righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. I declare it on me. Let nobody but Jesus run my life. I want to think about you. 
And so if you are waging uh, a war in your mind, I want you to wash your mind with God's word and I want you to be filled with his power. I want you to think about Jesus. Here's the second thing. I want you to think about other people. Philippians chapter two, next verse, verse four. said, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Everything in the world teaches you to think about nobody else but yourself. How many times have you heard, well, I've got, I've got to make sure I'm going to take care of myself first. That's in the culture. You hear that every uh, week in, in some way, form or fashion. Jesus comes with a countercultural uh, word. He said, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. So think about others. Here's the third thing I want you to think about. I want you to think about eternity. Think about that. Do you realize that you're gonna live in eternity more than you're gonna live in this life? Some of you are struggling with the thoughts of midlife that you're approaching 35 years old and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm about to hit midlife. And some of you are 40 and you're thinking, I'm about to hit midlife. Let me say this. You may be 35, you may be 40, you may be 50, 60, 70, or 80, or pushing 90. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're not hitting midlife. Because your life is going to be much longer on the other side than it is on this side. And so many times we live our lives just uh, in light of what we see in front of us. And we don't look at the big picture. We don't look at the very fact that the, the creation is groaning, looking forward to redemption. I mean, our creation is groaning. I mean, look at the hurricanes and the fires and all of this. Our, our, our creation is groaning, looking forward to the redemption that's coming. Paul said it this way, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We've got to concentrate on things above. We've got to say, God, help me to see things like you see them. Help me have your perspective. Because you see, if you have God's perspective, then all the negativity is going to be turned upside down and you're going to see the good things. All of us has done bad things, but here, God specializes in turning those negative things into something positive. Listen to this. God specializes in turning crucifixions into resurrections. So let's think about this. Talking about eternity. If you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? This is a simple question. That just, I want you to think about that. If you were to die today, do you know? Can you honestly say, uh, I know where I'll spend eternity? You see, I believe you can know for sure. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave... He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. God so loves the world. God loves you. He loves you so much that Jesus went to the cross 
He paid a debt that he did not owe. That is your sin debt and my sin debt so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be cleansed, so that we could be a part of God's family. So the question is, have you opened the door? Have you accepted his invitation to be a part of his family? God wants a relationship with you. God wants you to be a part of his family. And today, he is knocking on your heart's door. Today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. You may be in this auditorium or you may be watching online. But I do know this, that God has ordered your footsteps for this moment so that you can think about this question. Where are you gonna spend eternity? And so that you can hear that God wants you to spend eternity with him. And all you have to do is to accept his invitation. All you have to do is accept his gift of the forgiveness of your sins. And if you accept his free gift of the forgiveness of your sins, that he will welcome you into heaven. Doesn't matter where you come from. What really matters is where you're going. And over the next few minutes, we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna believe that God is gonna touch you right where you are. And that there are people in this room, people watching today, that you are gonna make a decision to follow Jesus Christ and you're gonna be a part of his family. Today is your day. And I realize you've been investigating. I realize you've been showing up here week after week. You've been tuning in. And you've almost done that out of curiosity. And that curiosity has become a habit where you're doing religious things. But God is more interested in a relationship with you than he is interested in you being religious. And that relationship begins by you accepting his invitation. And that you say, Jesus, come on in. Come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and make me the kind of person you'd have me to be. It's a simple prayer like that. So I want to pray two prayers today. I want to pray for those people that are being saved today. I want to be praying for those that, that you're coming back to the faith for whatever reason that you are like a prodigal. You've run away from the Lord, and the God is calling you to come back. So we're going to pray that, those prayers of repentance, but we're also going to pray that the power of God would break the spiritual strongholds that have you bound. Those thoughts that are warring against you, those habits that are just hurting you, we're going to pray that those will be broken by God's presence and by Jesus' name. So you ready to pray? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that you've given me an opportunity to talk to people who are making spiritual decisions, making eternal decisions today. And Father, there are people here and people watching. They're ready to take their next step. They're ready to be saved. So if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Say that. Say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. I give you my life. I give you my past, and I trust you 
with my future. Save me today. I receive your salvation. Father, now I pray for those people who are backslidden, those people that that you are calling to repentance today. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would turn from your ways and you would come back home, that you would rededicate your life, that you would repent of your sins, that you would leave that thing, that relationship, whatever that is that is tearing you down, and that uh, that you would repent, you would turn around and you would follow in the ways the Lord have, would have you to walk. So, Father, is there, if, as these backslidden believers are repenting today, God, I ask that you would transform them and change them and give them hope. And finally, Father, I pray for those that are struggling with strongholds. God, these strongholds have attached themselves to them and it could be the war in the mind where there's those negative thoughts that come over and over and over and bring depression and bring defeat and bring pain. I pray in the name of Jesus that Satan has no authority over you and that his power is broken over you and that the mind of Christ is covering you. I pray in the name of Jesus that you are free from this stronghold, that you are not gonna look back, but you're gonna march forward because God has given you his spirit. He has given you his energy. He has given you his anointing. He has given you his power. And today we receive that power and we receive that strength in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you today, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.